0: the last prepper standing podcast got a special guest with us today mother prepper how's it going
1: it's good thanks for having me
0: awesome now i love the name i think i think we should start out with like the (laughs) genesis of the name how did you come up with that
1: oh well you know i think it just really aligned with my personality i grew up in california grew up in the bay that's just how we talk and I know it's not exactly it's not exactly polished uh and it's very you know stark comparison to me in my professional world so it it's just more in line with who I am as a person and I just felt like it was it was definitely me um I definitely have a sailor's mouth sorry mom but that's just (laughs) that's just who I am I'm expressive in that way and so it just felt like really the name that I, I gravitated towards and it was funny I try to put a funny spin on most of my content, and this was no exception.
0: Right now, see, I'm, I'm from, I'm an evacuee from the Bay Area myself, so I, <laughs> I totally get what you're saying. And you know, East Texas hella and Bay Area hella are like really different
1: things. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm only familiar with the hella from the Bay, so you're gonna, you know, offline, you're gonna have to tell me more about what that's like in Texas. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, the way the way I say it, kind of, kind of gets some some little bit of a because it's like not necessarily a bad thing. It's like, and you say it way too much if you're from the Bay. So right. I, I totally feel you on that because that's that's definitely now. What part of the Bay are you from? If that's not too obsky.
1: Oh no, that's fine. You know, I no longer live in the Bay. We definitely frequent to go back home and, and visit. I'm um, I'm in a, a different part of Northern California now, but I you know I moved to the Bay Area. Um, I, you know, I lived there part time between you know my my parents and um, as a as you know growing up as a teenager, and I, I stayed there through high school and through my adult life until you know I was getting married and we moved back to where we are now. But I I'm from San Jose. Yeah, you know, I lived in a lot of places within the Bay. For the most part, it was central to the San Jose area, but a lot of the neighboring um, neighborhoods, like Campbell, was really hip. I loved living in Campbell. You know, yeah, downtown
0: Campbell's fun. I miss that. It
1: is. It, it's a lot of fun. I don't know what it's like now. It's been a, a few years since I've moved away, but you know, and I worked. I worked a lot in, uh, you know, in San Francisco, in Redwood City, places in Oakland, so all over. You know, my man, Redwood Red City's changed a
0: lot. Redwood it City has. has changed a whole lot. Now this this topic is probably not for anyone else but us, but yeah, <laughs> did you uh, did. We're, how old are you? I'm sorry for asking. I know it's not cool. But... I'm
1: early 30s.
0: I'm early 30s. <laughs> okay. So we're kind of in the same, we're in the same age range. I yeah. don't know if you were uh, ever going to downtown Tunes in San Jose or even remember oh, it. Oh, but...
1: Tunes. I, I had went a couple times before it got real rough. And so yes. I, st- I stopped going. But so yeah, that's why we started
0: going to Campbell. It was like, dude, do I want to get stabbed or I just want to go out and have some drinks?
1: Yeah, I know. Oh my gosh. You're t- Te- you're telling it like it is cuz that's right. very true. Yeah. So nobody nobody like else kids.
0: unless they're from the bay area understands this conversation at all and I, I apologize that for that. This is supposed <laughs> to be kind of for everybody but I getting a little off track. So being a being from the bay and I think it's the same thing, you know, I I've lived all over in the bay area, San Jose predominantly in Santa Cruz and the Santa Cruz mountains there in Boulder Creek and stuff. So I got kind of a pretty versatile upbringing between being in the, in the Redwood mountains and then living that city life too. So Mm -hmm. I think that really helped complete me kind of as a prepper and a person. I think, uh, I think a lot of the rural preppers don't give enough to city people like in terms of their adaptability and survivability. I really don't. Yeah.
1: It's, it's definitely different. I think we're really, we're really um too quick to just maybe shun the other side of the experience and because it's a wide spectrum right I feel like people that you know have lived in the countryside and have had a very different upbringing than people you know that have basically been born into the heart of the city it's very different of an upbringing but you're so you're so nimble and so agile to adapt to a lot of things in different ways and so I don't think we give enough credit to the other side we always think like oh city boys could never do this and you know you know country boys could never do this and I think that's just so inaccurate I think we if we just stopped for a second and actually learned and we're open to learning from either side of that spectrum I think it would be a lot of an easier conversation but you know there's a little there's there's a lot of pride from where you come from right and you you're used to doing things a certain way and this is the lifestyle and this is what you're accustomed to especially from a preparedness aspect you think you have it all if you basically prepared everything you can think of for your your home environment but the moment you're out of that you're completely out of your element and you have to think about it in that way too right and
0: that's um so since I've been in East Texas, and it's definitely a little more country and rural even than, like, the, the Santa Cruz Mountains were, but I've gotten people from this area to come with me to, like, Houston or Dallas, and it amazes me because they've lived here their whole lives, and, you know, that's only three hours and two hours away from where I'm at, but they've never really gone there, but, like, you mm-hmm. know, kind of getting people out of their comfort zone, and it's kind of interesting for me to watch the the way they're able to adapt to that city environment versus how i was able to adapt to the country environment and granted i had a little bit of a leg up for the country thing but they seem way more overwhelmed than i thought they would i was like see this i don't think this is going to go how people think it's going to go if they had to be in that type of environment
1: right absolutely
0: but anyways um that aside prepping all that stuff what was like your catalyst event to get you into prepping
1: yeah i feel like this is a different journey for everybody for me it was it was some years ago i i Didn't even have a family yet. I have a three-year-old daughter and a 19, or sorry, a 20-year-old stepdaughter. So this is before I had, you know, children of my my own, young children. And so um, my husband and I, we were living in our suburban, the suburbia area. And one of the neighboring cities here or towns um, had um, kind of alongside a major river system that we have up here. And long story short, that year we got a ton of rain. And you know, when there's a torrential downpour in a short amount of time, the ground just literally cannot absorb it all. As de- as desperate California is for water, there is just no way it can absorb that much water in that you know such a little time. And we see that time and time again with flooding um, areas that are flooded. But that you know, and, and up here was no no exception. So over over here, that you know, season of rain, it really strained and stressed out our our levee system up here. And even though it was, you know, some distance away from my, my physical home and where my family is, it was still very much a risk of, Oh crap. Well, like what, what's going to, what, like what are these people going to do if the levee system breaks in that area floods, which was a very real possibility for people in that media area. And it just helped. It got me thinking like we, even it was just my husband and I in our home up here, we are totally unprepared. We have like, we don't even know what to grab if we have to flee. And the same goes for the other side of that natural disaster spectrum up here in California. Um, You know, fires. Now we don't have, we don't necessarily that year. We we were ravaged between fires and flooding. So it's very weird. It was like very, very weird to like be a part of that year. So it was just definitely watching some of these natural disasters happening kind of back to back was, um, a kind of a wake-up call for for my husband and I because we just realized we are totally unprepared. We don't even know, we don't even know where to go. We don't even have anything if we needed to hunker down in our house. Like there's, like it was kind of anxiety prompting, which a lot, I feel like a lot of people as they start their preparedness journey, we all feel that in some sense. So it kind of just hit all at once. And so from there, I started really doing what I can little by little preparing. I started with bug out bags as kind of the immediate, resource I wanted to make sure was available and from there it just kept layer on layering on different aspects of preparedness.
0: Yeah, that's and I I remember that time frame that you're talking about. They had like people kayaking down the streets and stuff. Yeah, it was very
1: weird. And then next and like next thing you know, like the neighboring town is on fire you're like what is happening
0: yeah Jesus. my brother um he came and stayed out with us for uh, about six six seven months um, when all those fires just a couple years ago took place because yeah. they were so they had younger children and it just wasn't healthy for the air quality his work was slowed down because of covid and everything so they just mm-hmm. they spent some time out here for us but Part of what it got him, I think, a little bit more thinking about preparedness, too, because he's like, man, I thought I had a little bit of a plan, but there's, like, fire and flooding, I think, are probably the two hardest things to really prepare for, because there's not much you could do other than bug out, and if you hunker down, it's not going to be a great situation.
1: Yeah, definitely. Sorry, you cut out for a second. Oh, sorry. You.
0: Somehow a phone call came through. Paul, <laughs> no, okay. but yeah, we're seeing that in Kentucky right now. They have people who are um, oh, gosh, who are yeah. locked in their homes and everything, trying to figure it out. And that it's that terrible. death toll is kind of staggering. And I think a lot of it lends towards just not being prepared ahead of time. Yeah, and
1: and uh, you know you can prepare, but there's some things that are just completely out of scale that are just you know, like nobody can say like, I'm going to build, a, I'm going to build an infrastructure that's going to, you know, protect my home from flooding of that nature. Like you look at these houses, they're underwater, they're up to the roof line in Kentucky and it's completely sad, right? And it's, it's, it's devastating. And we're, you know, we see every year this, this, the death toll rises, natural disasters are more severe and it's not, it's not going away. There's not going to be one year where it's just like, no. okay, no, 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 we, we get a
0: break. y'all. No. Yeah. Somebody somewhere is going to deal with it. One thing that I plan on talking about a little bit more in the future, I don't think it's talked about enough in prepping is kind of catastrophic loss. How do you prepare for that? Because I do have some caches and I have some offsite prepping done mm-hmm. because I don't want to, I mean, you get years invested into this and you have everything in your house and you have a house fire, which I mean, to there's no way to prepare for that. Like you could have your fire extinguishers, you could have all that stuff, but once it's gone, it's gone at a certain point, you're not going to recoup anything. So I put a lot of emphasis on having like some offsite storage, um, a couple caches and everything, just so I have a little bit of a fallback. Plus um, as you build like your prepping community, networking with those people and putting some of your stuff at, at, their locations, whether it's your parents, a sibling or something like that can really help you in the long run. I don't think pe- enough people think about a catastrophic loss. Is that something yeah. you've given credit to?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things I, you know, I try to talk about as well is along the same messages, you know, we put a lot of effort into this planning, like, oh, bug out bags. Oh, yeah. Car preps. Yes. OK, where the hell are you going to go? And then that's <laughs> and then a lot of people are like, oh, shit, where am I going to go? And so there's, there's a lot of effort and passion that is, that is put into people building out, you know, their preparedness journey and I'm here for it. Don't get me wrong, but we definitely don't want to stop there. You want to think about the entire plan through, okay, this is what it's going to look like if you evacuate. This is what a drill looks like. These are the supplies that you have ready to go. Um, And this is your plan to rotate through those supplies because let's, let's face it, shit expires, right? Right. So but, but one thing that a lot of people, it, it's more of an afterthought is where are you going to go? Who are you going to be in contact with? What is going to be your method of getting there? What are going to be your alternative routes? Um, and what ways are you going to be able to have backup supplies along the way? So I think, and that we could go on and on about just that, but it's definitely not something that is, is, is talked about on the forefront of preparedness as much. I'd love to see more of it. So I, I'm glad that you you brought that up because it it's definitely part an, a critical part of the plan, right? You could be prepared to act, but if you don't have a plan to follow through with, and that includes like rally points, destination, community along the way, then then you're not your plan is not complete.
0: No, and then I, I like that you said the rally points and destinations along the way. Like I've been working to establish those, and it actually it paid off for one of my um, one of my group members when they left uh, Florida. They, mm. they couldn't find almost like there was a big hurricane coming through. So is four or five years ago, I think is the time frame because we, we hadn't moved into the house we're in yet, but we were still here in East Texas. So it was probably close to five years ago. I Forget exactly which hurricane that was. but they uh, the whole Gulf Coast, they thought they were just going to go to a couple different hotels that they had a they had lined out oh, and they man. had planned for, but so many people evacuated, they were all booked up in this huge radius. They ended up driving nine hours to our house and staying That's with crazy. us for a, staying with us for a week. And then you know, as he's calling back to see, like he wanted to be closer to home, like he enjoyed staying with us, but. Two, three days in, you're still having all these hotels booked out. It wasn't until a week later that he could kind of make his way back to his area so he could resume work. And that's That's something I think I think that's something people don't plan for, too, is, you know, you have that natural disaster um, and you're out of work for a while. What are your plans for your bills? Because insurance doesn't cover that. It might right. cover the house, it might cover cover the um, the property that you lost, but it's not going to cover your bills because your bills don't stop, and they're only so gracious to a point with with letting you go on that. So I try to talk about that a little bit too, and I've seen you touch on the financial preparedness as well at, at yeah. some points, but you know, it really sounds like you kind of embrace preparedness as a whole when you just started out with uh, being worried about natural disasters, and I think that's yeah. pretty cool. It,
1: it definitely it can be consuming. So if you're listening, I don't want to make it sound like I just arrived here <laughs> and we arrived here where we just have a thought, you know, have a thought and opinion and, and all aspects of preparedness. It's very much a layered approach that does take time. It takes effort. It takes your passion to want to n- learn more. So financial preparedness is a big one. I feel like, especially now with what, what was it in uh, June, of uh, this year and inflation's at over 9.1% at the time. I mean, it's, it's insane. And so financial preparedness isn't just about like, how much money can I stockpile? It's, it's how well do you understand uh, your, your budget and what you have allocated for what you need? You know, how well can you you know, make that dollar stretch if you're, if you're buying supplies? Are you a thrifty shopper when it comes to the essentials? There's a lot of things that go into preparedness. You know, like, what are you doing to widen your, you know, to add additional streams of income for that extra security? Um, but it doesn't even just stop there, right? If you have a home, or if you have children, or if you are in good health in any place, if you're listening, you need to consider a trust, a will, a, you know, health directive, as well as legal, legal guardianship, if you have minors that live with you. There's no, like, there's, there's nobody I can think of that wouldn't benefit, even if we're renting. If you own property of some sort and you don't want that to just go poof, you know, and disappear into probate ethernet, you know, and, and black hole and, and probate law, then you want to just make sure that you're prepared and you, and, in, in all aspects.
0: And all that stuff is a nightmare to, to really think about. Oh, and to me, it's it's, I don't mean this to be offensive to anyone or anything like that, but to me that's like that's normal life stuff you should almost be doing before you get into the the wacky prepping stuff in my opinion if you don't if you don't have like just some basic life insurance but you've invested thousands and thousands of dollars into multiple knives and guns and this and that i just i think people get too far off the rails sometimes i try to start people at, at very basic points in terms of like are you like you're more, if you get in a car accident today and you were to die, would your family be taken care of? It?
1: Right. Cause, right. cause a,
0: a mega earthquake where California falls into the oceans, probably a little bit further off than, than you getting in a car wreck and die.
1: And totally.
0: And I, and I see that stuff all the time. So uh, you mentioned trust. I've been just wrapped, trying to wrap my head around that personally, because I'm trying to do that for, for myself because the, the directives and all that stuff are one thing, but I really want to establish your trust, not only for myself, but for the grandkids and so on, because it's such,
1: Absolutely. A,
0: such an essential way to protect your wealth. Cause I'm, I don't really believe in this medical system too much. And, you know, from my perspective, it just seems like you work your whole life and then they milk you in the end. Um, it, yeah. It, and
1: that's, it's definitely becoming more apparent in a lot of places. And a lot of people are feeling that same way. And I'm so, so glad to hear that you're, you're, you know, talking to your family and you're working on getting kind of that trust established. And there's, and here's the thing too, is it's, it's not, it's not static. You know, if you have more children or if you, the situation changes, you gain additional property or land or whatever, you're going to want to update it. And yes, it costs money. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It costs money, it costs effort, but it's a small fraction of what you would have to pay up front to protect what you've worked for your entire life.
0: So- yeah. And it's definitely, I think some people like I've had to, cause I'm pretty hands-on with everything I've done. And I've had to kind of allocate some responsibility to other people mm-hmm. to help me explain this. Because I think as preppers and stuff, we have a tendency to want to really understand every nuance of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that holds a lot of people up from getting into, into some of these things because it's just overwhelming. But there's definitely well-qualified people that people can lean on. Just like you lean on other people to put information out there for prepping to to spark ideas and stuff for you. I encourage people to do that as well. Yeah. And, and that kind of brings me to this, this point is... You know, you put out a lot of content. So what inspired you to take it to the next level to not only where you're doing it for yourself, but you're, you're giving back and doing it for others.
1: I think there's definitely, well, thank you for that. I try between, so I work full time. So trying to find pockets of time to build content between that, investing in myself and being a mom and a wife is gosh, there's not enough hours in the day. So thank you for that. That's a compliment. Um, uh, honestly, I strongly feel like there's power in community it could go good or bad right it could go either Mm -hmm. way with that but i felt i've always felt that we are stronger in numbers and that has proven to be useful in a number of different ways we've seen in history but one of the things that i felt compelled to do is is to share this journey because i know there are so many things along this journey that i've struggled with and i'm not trying to say like you know look at me i'm a teacher i'm going to teach you and everything's going to be great it's more of listen i'm just as vulnerable as you I'm learning, but I wanna help inspire you to take this preparedness journey on because even though you may live in an urban setting or suburban area, or you may live in an apartment, there are small steps that you can take that will get you closer to this preparedness goal you have in mind. And it should be something everybody does. We've accepted things as, we've accepted things in life today like warranties and insurance is just normal. Why is preparedness any different, right? we, we need to be in a mindset where we're thinking forward and planning ahead. And that's just going to be a good exercise for every individual, uh, just plain fact, the more you can consider, you know, things that might happen and risks, the better prepared you're going to be. So it was more of just to help inspire people to take this journey on, even though they did not have acreage or, or a family farm, like it's still possible.
0: Right. And I think, I think you do a really good job of, of being inspirational. I, I, I,
1: Oh, thank you. I personally have a tendency to
0: be a little bit more like doom and gloomy or like, hey, here's the worst case scenario. I've been trying to work on being a little bit more positive in terms of the way I put out the content uh, between you and Rogue preparedness. I think you both do a great job doing that. And I kind oh, of, thank you. I kind of gleam towards your guys's content to like, okay, get yourself out of that because it's easy to slip into a negative mindset. It totally is. When and you're, I love when your, your content.
1: I know oh. it totally is. I love your content. I'm so glad you gave a shout out to Morgan. I love Morgan. Yes. Morgan was definitely um, Morgan, Morgan from Rogue Preparedness is definitely one of the, the people that kind of really from the beginning started my, uh, inspired me from my own preparedness journey and still does to this day. So shout out Morgan. Um, there you go. So, uh, and honestly and, and I get it gloom and doom is the e- it's it's definitely easy to to go there in your mind because that's that's supernatural right we're, we're gonna think of like what's the worst case scenario if, if I'm prepared for that then everything else is fine right and absolutely you you want to you want to approach this with a level of um seriousness right because this isn't like we're not we're not doing this for shits and googles y'all We're like we're trying to illustrate that these are very real things that can happen we see it happen time and time again whether it's a natural disaster or a carjacking right we need Mm to we're not shying away from these this is the stuff that happens but we're definitely showing them in an array of different lights and perspectives and so you know i love your content i think it's very real life and these are things that people need to be faced with you know and everybody has their different flavor and how they're going to put a spin on that
0: Right now, you mentioned like a carjacking or something. One thing, another thing, I just a compliment fest here coming, but is uh, <laughs> how how you talk about women and carrying carrying weapons, which I imagine is a whole different challenge in California. But oh, just as yeah. between, I think that's I think more women need to see women carrying because mm-hmm. I and I, I commend you for that because I don't think. You know, you could be a prepper and this and that, but if you only see guys carrying guns, I don't know how appealing that is to other women to kind of motivate them to to carry every day and to keep a firearm with them. You know, that's one of, you know, I struggle with my wife to try to get her to carry every day. And it's just, I don't think she sees the influence of other women doing it. Mm -hmm. I I know she uh, intellectually understands the the protection aspect of it and she'll do it from time to time. But I I just, I think that's kind of awesome you do that now. Um, being a female prepper, I mean, what, has that presented any downfalls for you, whether it be online or in real life? Or
1: oh, totally. I, I think uh, you know, I think it's very easy to discount women <laughs> in this space. Because they're like, "What do you know? You're just a woman, and you live in the city." I'm like, "All right, well, <laughs> anyway, my preparedness journey is going to look very different." I'm I already know that my preparedness journey. It's going to look very different than most people. And it's it's designed to be a journey. There's never an endpoint where like, well, that's it, guys. I'm prepared. No, it doesn't work like that. So I think in this space, you get a lot of people who, especially online, online can be an incredible place. It can also be an incredibly toxic place. Um, so online, a lot of the comments on the negative side I get are, you know, you, what do you know? You live in suburban land, suburbia land you know, you're a woman, you wouldn't understand these things. I'm like, all right, <laughs> next. And, yeah. And so there's, I and I get it. I don't look like your average prepper. You go online and it's usually like the lone wolf guy that has a bunker in the side of a mountain and that's your prepper profile. And I get it. I don't, I don't fit that mold and I don't want to fit that mold because the needs of my family are going to be very different and they should be different from everybody's. But a lot of the time I get, I'm met with, um, if it's negative, I'm met with this doubt that I know what I'm talking about. And that's fine. I'm not here to change minds. I'm here to share my journey and hopefully inspire people along the way. Um, But if it's not, you know, it's mostly doubt. Sometimes if I'm posting about sensitive topics, right? You know, whether it's, you know, women caring uh, for self-defense or if it's, you know, something like inflation, which I'm like, how can you argue with that? But you never know. There's <laughs> always a topic that's too sensitive for some people. And then they have an opinion. And I and I, I welcome that because in, unless you're in situations where you can have a, an actual conversation of opposing views, you're not going to learn anything. I think it's very easy to, online to just try to follow people that align with your views and validate your already existing biases and views and i think it's also important to to you know try to try to switch that up a little bit and and you know um you know look at people's content that might be of a different different view and maybe get their you know maybe understand a little bit more about where they're coming from you'd be surprised how much you actually maybe might think about things or um just even have a valid conversation Uh, i don't think we hold enough space for conversations of opposing views respectfully
0: right and i and i agree with you and i i I look at everything and i always um i forget the exact quote on it but it was like you should be able if you're you should be able to argue the other side's point if you if you truly understand it so i try to approach that with with everything i think it gets to a certain point where um some of the other side's point is just malicious with this guise of of being being well-meaning if that makes any sense if you dig at the root of it but if you just stop at the the surface into the surface level where i think a lot of people who disagree with maybe how we think it's they don't dig any deeper it's just kind of a surface level understanding of it versus the the deeper understanding of it but i I agree with you every you should understand every single side so you could truly decide whether whether or not you agree with something because actually i agree with a whole lot more than people think about uh would, would think i agree with i just at the end of the day, I just want people to be left alone. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care what you want to do in your bedroom. I don't really even care what your politics are. I don't. I just don't want you to bug me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and that you bring up a great a great point. You know, through my content, if anybody is listening, that's had you know that's followed me. I, I don't. I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about a lot of the very high, like highly sensitive things because one, my message is going to be the same no matter what my opinion is. So my message of preparedness, it, it does not apply to whatever political party or whatever your view is. Preparedness applies to everybody. So that's kind of one. And two, like uh, our media is flooded with bullshit all the time, whether uh, of both on both sides. And so what is like ha- me having my opinion isn't going to sway somebody who's already super passionate about it. And so I, I don't try to. What I do is I do hold space for people that reach out to me in their DMs and, and want to for whatever reason, want to have a, you know, I don't want to say a heated conversation, but I want to have a passionate conversation and I'm happy to share my perspective and I'm happy to listen. But the moment it becomes disrespectful, I'm not, I'm not your girl. This isn't the place for you. And I've gotten
0: way better over, over the last few years as things have gotten more volatile with not engaging with people because none of us individually are going to change anything. We're not in a position. Like if you think about the, the, kind of the i'm trying to stroke for the word it's like your control like what you can actually control i don't mm-hmm. control the city i don't control the federal government there's only so much i have actual control over so it gets to a point where we're just we're just talking into the air and it's, right. it's, it's serving us no purpose other than deterring from time that we could actually be getting prepared
1: yeah and, they're not seeking to understand they're seeking to hear their own voice
0: right and it's to me it's like you said i just want people to be prepared i don't really care what side you're on because we're all going to be on the same if there's this food supply chain is gone we're all gonna be on this we're all gonna be on team starving (laughs) your your politics aren't gonna matter at that point and and we're getting there more and more like you mentioned the inflation i think um one of the newscasts i was watching they were highlighting the struggle that food banks are going under it's bad it's very bad and typically because these these are unprecedented times i think that we've lived through and that there's historical markers for that too they haven't had inflation this high since 1982 i was born in 83 so it's literally the worst it's ever been in my lifetime now typically what i'll do is in we're kind of reached that we're past that halfway point for the year. So I start thinking about things a little differently is I will donate a lot of my canned goods instead of rotating through them to local shelters. Now I'm actually at the point where I'm thinking about, do I want to do that this year? Or is this something that I'm going to hang on to because it's getting very, very bad. So there's a lot of weird times ahead. Now I, myself, we've started to dip into a little bit of our preps. Have you done that?
1: Yeah. I think if anything, um, we are seeing, at least from my my end, you know, you, you go through a lot of work to rotate your supply, to be in front of what you know you need, to really understand the consumption and the consumption rate of your family. But there have definitely been more frequent times now where I'm like, well, dang, I thought, you know, I didn't think I would be going through this this much of this this item or these ingredients. And then you're so glad that you have... Uh, you know inventory to rotate through and to dip into but you're like dang I didn't I didn't plan to be opening this mylar bag so soon right so it's definitely a wake-up call to to continue to to practice understanding your your family's consumption because everybody you know families change right and and maybe I'm just making a lot more bread than I thought so I'm just going (laughs) through a lot more flour and and all of that but it's it's you know, nobody is is untouched from from what we're experiencing with with these food shortages and weak logistics chain and bare shells and inflation. It's hitting us all. I don't want to make it sound like to people who are listening like preppers. We we saw the writing on the walls years ago. <laughs> and so you all are fucked. No, that's not how it goes. It's very I'm sorry. Can I cuss on here? I didn't. even Yeah, you can. <laughs> hey,
0: we can fucking cuss all day. <laughs>
1: I love it, perfect. But I, I think there's this misconception that that people who are have been unprepared, they're looking at people who you know have been preparing and and are preppers, and they're like, "Well, it must be nice to be in a space where you don't have to worry." Like we're worried too. We it's it's on our minds. We just have yeah. to do
0: better. I, I think I, li- I like your meme. Uh, you owe your conspiracy theorist friends an apology. That yeah, because it's because I'm getting a lot of pushback, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not trying to be right. It wasn't I'm a right contest. It's like just get ready you're not like you said you're not fucked i'm just a little less fucked than you're gonna be if you don't hurry up
1: right because we're
0: all gonna we're all gonna be in a bad situation now you mentioned you're going through the bread quicker because you're because you're um you're making more of it i've noticed with us because we've we've pulled out some of those preps like there's a lot of pasta around my kids like pasta anyways but we're burning through it through a rapid rate and i'm like okay, I don't know if that's because there's more out there or we really were consuming this much. And we're definitely like, there's a difference between using it in your normal rotation and what things will look like if you're at rationing levels. Right. I'm like, okay, I don't want to scare everybody now. I don't think inflation's so bad. I'm like, hey, here's your one cup of soup. You know, right? <laughs> we're not at those levels yet, but it's been making me think like, wow, what would that look like? If I feel like I'm burning through my preps now, at what point do you have to cut that off and and give some credence to hey we're rationing we're not yeah. just pulling from the pantry we're actually rationing now because those days really might be coming which is just horrible to think about
1: It is definitely horrible. It is something that you you have to think about and it's you know knowing what your family consumes their things like their allergies, their preferences. Those are all going to be things that are super important as you plan that out and you maybe you know do your part to prep a little bit more. Cause you know that your family's, you know, eating more now. And so, mm-hmm. and there's different ways to help mitigate a lot of that, that weight, right. Um, of the pressure of like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm going through my preps faster. Things are more expensive. There's a couple of ways. And I think this goes into just somebody who like you and I, who have that prepper mindset. So they're always thinking about these things you can, you know, maybe switch up recipes You also wanna think about what is the caloric intake. If you're gonna be rationing, what is that caloric intake? So where you draw the line of how much each person gets and how often and what's the nutrition content. You wanna stay in front of those things because a lot of people I see are are, uh, prepping like rice and beans and that's great. Uh, But what are you gonna do for the nutritional value outside of that? What are you gonna do as far as ration? Do you even know how many calories a cup of white rice will give a person? Right. What if that person is like uh, what if that person is elderly versus, you know, an 18-year-old male who is just like burning through calories by breathing. You know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> right. it's going to be
0: And I have my I have an 18-year-old male in my house right now. My oldest, so you yeah, know. he just, he
1: burns through it. <laughs> yeah, he could walk to the front door. He's like I'm hungry, you know. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, it's going to it's going to look different and you have to be you have to be paying attention to these things. But there's definitely ways to, to mitigate a lot of the weight of what we're feeling right now, you know, being a savvy shopper, understanding things like what, you know, are there rewards um, systems with your current grocery store? Are You know, what are the sale days? What are things that you can find at stores like, um, uh, in, like the dollar store that you wouldn't normally think would have food, like they actually have a ton of food that is in really great condition. So just trying to like, always think ahead is is definitely a gift that every prepper i feel like is blessed with as they go through this prepper journey you're constantly thinking ahead you're constantly trying to look around corners to to ways to find a solution and that doesn't turn off for for better or for worse that does not turn off
0: <laughs> no yeah i feel you on that It just it's kind of constant in the front of your mind and I I I don't even call it like I call it prepper dreaming instead of like daydreaming. Like sometimes I have to check myself and be like, just focus on what you're doing and stop thinking about being in that prepper mindset. Sometimes, so yeah, it's it's
1: tough.
0: It's tough to turn it off. But um, we're kind of going towards the end of the episode here. I could probably talk to you all day. I'm I'm enjoying this a lot. But um, as we get towards the end here, people have listened to this whole thing. What what is like one thing you would tell someone who's first starting out right now? Because I think we've talked about. Kind of maybe some overwhelming stuff, but where what yeah. would you suggest to someone who is just starting out?
1: I, I love this question. Thank you for asking, because I feel like you and I we get it a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Preparedness is on a lot more people's minds right now, and for good for good reason. My my best recommendation for anybody who is considering this preparedness journey of just or just you know beginning is to just start and to find small ways to. Be more prepared. And that can look a lot different for a lot of people. Maybe it's, maybe it's you, you know, um, saving some fuel and taking the bike to work so that you can, you know, be better, you know, have a better consumption rate of fuel because fuel is insane right now. Maybe that's picking up an extra bag of rice at the grocery store, even though you don't need it right now, but you know, your family eats a lot of rice. You see where I'm going with this. It's, it's, It's small steps that you can take to plan for the future based on what you know is important to you and your family today. So just to start and to be consistent, because if, you know, if there's one message I always try to say, um, uh, at least on, on my, my Instagram is, you know, small steps add up quick and they truly do. Cause that's how I, I didn't arrive here in this space the level of preparedness overnight. Don't go into debt for your preps. Like that is not, that's not, nobody says like, just take out a, you know, a home equity line credit <laughs> and buy a bunch of cool shit. That would be rad. Don't get me wrong, but please don't do that. You're setting yourself up for an, a not great situation. So, lay, like, take small steps to get closer to your preparedness goal. Focus on a different area um, every every time, so you feel like it's not all over the place. So, if you want to start with food preps, which a lot of people are, there are ways to just buy, you know, buy a few more cans of food with one grocery trip take a look at sales, but start and be consistent.
0: I like that consistency is key because it does add up quick and you're right. Um, Now, where can people find you? What are, what are your preferred methods of contact? What are your, where do you want to direct people? Cause I'm sure after hearing this episode and if they get a little bit of a glimpse of what you're doing, they're going to be totally engaged. So where, where can people find you?
1: I would love to say I, I have a lot of other places, but right now, most of the time I'm on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram with at mother prepper. I do sort of have a YouTube. I, I have not shown it love, so I'm not going to make it sound like that's a great resource for, (laughs) I do intend to pick it back up. So I know there's a lot of people who prefer YouTube and I'm sorry. I love y'all too. It's just a lot of time and effort. And I promise I will get there, but Instagram is where most of my content and where I live right now.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So Instagram the place to check you. I think that's my favorite space to be too. I'm working on my YouTube as well. Kind of started out, dropped out. It is more time consuming when you got that full-time job versus making content for, for Instagram. And I honestly, I feel like the Instagram engagement is, is way more. I think people could delve in from there, but your Instagram straight fire. You guys can learn so much from there. Not only can you learn a lot, but you could also just get super inspired. Oh, actually, before we leave, because yeah. Speaking of being inspired, you I thought my chicken coop was like a little over the top. And then I and then I seen yours. Not that yours is over the top, but it is plush. It is nice. Oh,
1: man. Thank you. And your, chicken, uh, your
0: chickens got out or was that just a funny video? Oh,
1: Dude, no, I they did get out. Not as bad as as I, I had thought there was. So thank goodness for that. But do you know that chickens can hop fences, bro? You found it oh. out. <laughs> I found that out real quick, and um, I was not prepared for that. I, like, I knew they could, they had hops, right? And I knew they could fly short distances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You read about that. You're like, I'm just so excited to get these chickens, whatever. <laughs> and then now that they're full grown, you're like, oh, shit. Yes. This, this hen can jump a fence. And so she got a little spooked by, I forget, something in the yard. And then I was like, oh, here we go. All right. Did you rescue her? She, luckily she came to me, thank goodness, but okay. I, I'm going to have to better train these chickens <laughs> with like some treats or like a whistle. Like I've had some really great suggestions on Instagram because mm-hmm. we live in a busy street, man. I don't want to see, you know, my chicken on somebody's windshield. That would be terrible, but it's yes, very, we, very we, real possibility.
0: Yeah. We lost one, one escapee never, never really made it back, but oh, no. the, the treats do work. So okay. like, we'll do like, we'll shake a little lettuce or they like some berries and stuff. So those, those have worked really well to get them back. Cause they have a tendency to hide under the coop too. And that's oh, how we'll, yeah. we'll we'll kind of coax them out of there sometimes. But I'm glad I didn't forget to ask you that. Cause I no, said I was no, going to. You actually, and,
1: I, I forgot to tell you, you actually inspired me. Um, I remember watching a post of yours because I know you've had your chickens um, longer than I've had. And I remember you had posted something and you were like, do you prep for your, your animals too? And I was like oops <laughs> yeah immediately that same day because they were young i was like ah, whatever oh. i'll do it when they're older and you know
0: what and in, in now that you mentioned that i haven't i haven't shared this failure on my part yet and i, I should probably have shared it right away but
1: no tell me
0: w- with this heat um we, and this oh, is yeah. so embarrassing i've had months and months of uh chicken feed out in the coop it all went bad because of the heat and i should really how did you yes how did you it went bad so we um, we bought some more and I was like, you know what? I just, I want to just use some of this stuff cause it's a couple months old now. So I was like, I'm just going to rotate this which I haven't normally been doing. I was just like set it and forget it cause it's good for a while. But just sometimes, you know, you get those weird little prepper hunches. Like, I just want to do it this way. I'm just going to start yeah. rotating. So well, I to you- go, well, it's my mom who manages the chicken mostly. So she went to go, um, you know, we're moving the chicken feed out there. And she goes, Hey, open that bag. And then it's rotten. And we find out it's rotten and no, yes no. months and months of it because of the heat and you know being from from northern california i don't really think about how bad the heat is going to damage it because we don't have 25 days of hundred plus degree weather yeah so yeah i ended up losing that and having to rebuild but and it's rebuilding at such higher prices for the chicken feed than know, it was when we started out
1: dang but, well they i have heard i I haven't explored this myself, but I've heard that you can get um, chicken feed and and just poultry feed and animal feed at a really great price through some, I want to say like even through Azure Standard, somebody fact check me on this, but I'd like to say there are ways that you can buy, if you're buying a bunch of it, also that there are bulk prices through like non-storefront places like yeah, store some more go-
0: more places more geared towards like agricultural farming and stuff. Right?
1: Yeah, I'd like to say that's the route. We don't obviously we don't have a ton of it out here, um, mm. in suburbia, city land, But it's definitely worth exploring if you have those options because every penny counts right now. It's insane. right, and that's
0: def- that's definitely something I'm going to think about. But yeah, learn from my mistake. Be wary of the heat. I'm going to store all this chicken feed in inside now.
1: Yeah, geez. Oh. Now I'm thinking about what I want to do. Too. You right. left me with great homework. No, absolutely, I appreciate it.
0: There you go. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you, everybody, uh, for listening to this podcast. It goes out um on Wednesday, so if you're listening, it, you won't. Nobody will listen to it before then, and I'll put out a bunch of info. Um,
2: Hello. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you?
0: Good, man. So, um, yeah, good connection on my end. On your end.
2: Yeah. yeah, you sound good
0: okay cool yeah so um we'll we'll just jump right into it i'll do like a little kickoff for the show ask some basic questions kind of the um cue that we're wrapping up this show is going to be me just asking where people could find you and then okay. drop that information and we'll kind of go from there
2: okay sounds good
0: cool all right um Welcome back to the Last Prepper Standing Podcast. Today, I have with me a special guest, 62nd Prepper. How's it going?
2: Uh, It's going good. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm really excited to have you on because uh, part of what I try to do with my preparedness is highlight other Preppers and introduce to other Preppers because you never know who's in your area or who might be out there finding your content you're definitely, you're going to be the first guest I've had that I don't have sort of like of an established relationship, whether it be online or in person, but uh-huh. I'm excited to talk to you, man. I dig, I dig the name. I think it's kind of a cool concept and I've got a chance to kind of dig into some of your content you have, but um, just maybe give us a second to just introduce us to everybody in the prepping community to you and, and what your kind of goal is with your prepping content.
2: Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm 60 second prepper. Uh, I guess the original idea behind the name um, was actually more for YouTube. I wasn't even really planning on being Instagram, where where you and I connected. But um, so on YouTube, I was just planning on doing a bunch of kind of short little videos, little prepper related tips and tricks, and kind of keep them all under 60 seconds because YouTube has those uh, their YouTube shorts. They're kind of their way of competing with TikTok, I guess. Um, but it's a lot of work making those videos. So I just kind of found Instagram um, a little bit, a little bit easier to do with a busy life and whatnot. But um, yeah. right, And and I dig it too.
0: I I enjoyed the concept right off the gate. I was like, man, I wonder if I could live. That's probably like such a smart way to do because you're in and out, but still there's a lot of time involved making content regardless. And I was watching uh you know, one of your first videos, or I don't know if it's one of your first videos, but the first non-short video you did, you were making the air filter or air respirator. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, that was, I guess, I think that's the one video I did that that really didn't follow my whole 60-second <laughs> rule, but that's that's okay. Kind of kind of hard to convince that one down, but that was a fun little project. Um, that, that
0: was... Now, um, does that turn out how you thought it would? Were you happy with the results? Is it something you'd recommend?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun project. I mean, you know, the whole I think I did that around, you know, the whole beginning of the Russia invasion of Ukraine type type thing. Like, oh, crap. Well, you know, if something bad's happened. It'd be great to have one of these machines, but they're they're pretty expensive. They're like uh, like five or six hundred bucks or something like that. So I just thought it'd be fun just to try and try and make one. And so it's you know, it it works the way i intended it to but you know i don't think i could say it's as good as you know a real one
0: right Um, as you as anything that's kind of like diy is i guess yeah it's not gonna gonna be quite there i'm always uh amazed at anyone who could cut into any of plastic be it like a gallon drum the ammo can you do i'm like for some whatever reason no matter what DIY project or DIY, whatever it is project i try to do that involves cutting plastic i break it and i ruin it i'll yeah. have like every other step done and then i ruin it right there so i've kind of got away from doing stuff that doesn't involve like lumber
2: yeah yeah <laughs> every little diy project's is going to be going to be pretty messy and just have not i'm not, not going to be as pretty as as the thing you wouldn't be wouldn't be buying but um you know it works so it's hard to complain with it
0: that was cool now i got to check out um a lot of your content in preparation for this i think one thing that um would be good for other people to hear about is the solar system that you sent up now i've been thinking about this for myself and this is just more about me in a way but i get really hung up on the conversion and understanding how like what a kilowatt's really going to get me and this and that. So I get a little intimidated, but watching your video actually helped me feel a little less intimidated because you just in that short little 60, 60 second video, you explained all the things that you're going to be able to power with. I think in total it's 20 kilowatts, right?
2: Yeah. So I have uh, a 20 kilowatt solar array and the battery backup is a 20 kilowatt hour uh, battery backup. And so, I mean, I, I just hired a company to do it. Like I, I didn't figure it all out on my own. I think if I ever bought like a little bug out cabin or something like that, I'd probably do a little DIY solar kit, but this was all installed by a company. So they kind of figured out all the loads and stuff for me, but um, we have a decent sized house. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that, you know, I would want powered. Um, but where we live, we're kind of quasi rural. And after we moved here, like four years ago, we realized we kind of have a lot of power outages and, I wasn't really thrilled about the idea of a backup generator because, you know, if you have a long outage then you run out of propane and you're kind of out of luck. So we went this, this battery route with the, with the solar panels and um, the goal primarily for us was just to keep our well pump going and our uh, septic system. We have a pretty intense septic with a bunch of pumps and air blowers and whatnot. So as long as we can keep those two things going, then you know those are kind of the the main the main things that would you know, yeah yeah and you're not
0: gonna we we moved out to uh, East Texas about six years ago we moved from Northern California but where we were living at there is kind of in the Redwood Mountains and that was on a septic system as well and that's mm-hmm. not something long term if you're hooked up to a septic that you want to have issues with that's right that, so that's pretty pretty smart to be ha- having that be the motivator for it because I think. Mind be kind of like a back burner more thinking about the fridge or the lights or whatever you know just how to keep the entertainment going in the house versus how to take care of some real issues that could come up because that that's something i've been looking into we just recently got the roof redone so i feel like that's a perfect time if i'm gonna add solar i think that's one of the things that's kind of always scared me is you invest a lot of money into that solar and then you know, the, Hey, the, the solar system's good for 25 years, but then, you know, you didn't think about how you needed a roof two years from when you installed it.
2: Yep. Yep. That'd be a great time to install it. Absolutely. I'm
0: kind of in that window. Now I, I reached out for the, the Tesla people to about the power wall and all that. Yeah. I'm a little outside their market area where they're trying to work first. Cause we're, we're about two hours out of Dallas. So they had me um, send them a bunch of pictures and it was really a weird experience because they they weren't going to come out and do the assessment. They kind of wanted me to do the assessment, and then you could kind of like, I think I'm just too far for, out for whoever the salesperson is to care to want to come out and, and help me finish it. So yeah, yeah,
2: I I looked into Tesla, and um, this was from all the reviews I saw. They didn't really score very well on customer service, which I don't know. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, okay, well, is the product better or not? That's all I really care about, but. Customer service is kind of a big deal. Like I've, I've heard of people who got Tesla and they, they've had a problem that happened, so they're not producing energy and it's been months and Tesla just won't get back to them. It's like, well, crap, I bought this system from you. It doesn't work and you won't come out and fix it. Um, yeah. So and, if, and if you're buying little, it with, a, bump.
0: if you're buying it, like in, in aversion to emergency an emergency can happen anytime and you're going months right. without anybody getting back to you. That's pretty horrible
2: yeah yeah it can be pretty yeah
0: bad. I'm, I'm experiencing bad customer service before I'm even a customer, so that's a, that's a good sign for me to think about. yeah Now um, are you planning on doing more YouTube content because I noticed your wife is a little bit of a youtuber?
2: Yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, that's um, probably why I originally was planning on on doing YouTube. Um, I don't know it's YouTube is a lot of work. Um, I, I don't know I would I would like to. Like I said, I think that's kind of why I gravitated towards Instagram. It's already kind of more in that already in the sixty second or less time frame. So kind of kind of makes my name kind of pointless because everyone's putting out content in less than sixty seconds. But um, well, yeah. hey,
0: it's it's still catchy. I like it. Yeah. Now, um, in, in terms of her uh, her content, I thought it was great. Some of the concepts I'm really into, like the gentle parenting and all that. I found them out on kid number two. I don't. How many kids do y'all got?
2: Uh, just one. 15 just the for. one. Yeah.
0: 15 months now yeah okay yeah when i watched that video you you mentioned he was 10 months old i was like oh, i don't know how exactly old the video is so sure. is that part of what motivated you to get into prepping becoming a dad
2: you know it it is actually um there were a number of things but that was definitely a factor because i i mean i've always kind of been preparedness minded you know i, I grew up in the boy scouts and all that so the whole you know be prepared motto is always kind of stuck with me but i think as far as actually getting into prepping it really kicked off right after he was born, May of last year. Um, just that part of it was just that that sense of responsibility. This kind of kicks you in the face once you have your first kid. You're like, "Whoa, I gotta, I gotta keep this little human alive."
0: Yes, it, that
2: includes when things go really bad. I still need to keep him alive. Um,
0: especially then, right?
2: Yeah, especially then. So, so having him uh, definitely played a big role into it. Um, and also, you know, of course, that was well into the pandemic. And I think, you know, the pandemic itself wasn't really a catalyst for me, but people's response to it definitely was like, you know, people being idiots going out and, you know, panic buying toilet paper. And, and the government's response to it definitely kind of was an eye opener. Um, and I think also at that time, they started becoming more aware of all the supply chain issues. Um, which really got me concerned i think right after he was born is when i went out and got all my buckets and all my rice and beans and oats and, and all that so i think that's kind of when i really kick-started preparedness
0: and started ramping up well that's good i think uh i'm actually surprised at the lack of preppers out that came out of the pandemic so it sounds like you're someone who between the between the child and the pandemic it kind of really motivated you to get into gear i don't I thought we were just going to see this huge influx of people who were going to be more of that mindset, because some of this stuff is so prima facie, like you said, the supply chain, like everybody should be hyper aware of that. Now, the government response I don't know of anyone, regardless of what side of the political spectrum they're on, is really happy with it. Right. (laughs) You know what i mean right. and then the the consequences of it too even if you were completely for the lockdowns or and you wanted all that stuff to happen there's been very clear uh implications and ramifications to the to the money and the information and like you like you said the supply chain and stuff too so it, it blows my mind that more people just aren't like oh my goodness i need to be a little bit more than uh Twenty-four hours prepared, or even seventy-two hours prepared. I need to think about something a little bit more long-term. Yeah, yeah. Any prepping goals that you're working on that are kind of more grandiose that you're you're looking towards?
2: Um, gosh, grandiose? Not really. I mean, I think doing the solder last year was was pretty pretty grandiose. Um, really. Yes. Pro- can't probably can't afford to do anything along those lines anytime soon. But actually, this summer I've I've kind of been doing a lot of smaller things um, uh, I've been working on our, our little garden this is my first year gardening um, you know all we have is a two by eight foot raised garden bed so starting out real small but I think it's really important to, to get that going just because it's gardening especially with respect to preparedness is um, it's pretty intimidating you know I think you know the eventual goal of most preppers is you know I start out with the bug out bag and I end up homesteading out in the middle of nowhere and yeah you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of there it's like okay well if i really do want to do that one day i need to know how to garden i have no idea how to do that so uh, my wife really helped me kind of reel me in a little bit and not try to bite off too big of a bite with it and just Good. got this one garden bed which i think was a really wise thing to do because when you start out small it really allowed us to just be successful you know like we have zucchinis and spaghetti squash that are growing really good out there it's like oh okay you know it's going good I I can do this whereas if I had like you know we have about an acre where we live if we had just gone all out I probably would have failed a lot and it would have been very discouraging so it's kind of a hard thing to balance when you know every day things are just getting worse and worse at least it seems like in the world so you, you you have this desire to like just go as fast as you can and just try to learn and buy the things and do the things but with some things you just kind of got to go slow and i I feel like gardening is one of those things because you know it takes you a few years to become an amateur and even more to become good and a lifetime to become great and it's like i'm not going to be able to force that process so
0: right Um, and i think that's pretty cool that you that that she reeled you in as you said and and you kind of started out small this was our first year without a garden which was actually lot of anxiety but what I did was I pulled back a little bit because I just wasn't happy with the setup because I rushed to make it
2: mm-hmm. but in the
0: process of trying to find the perfect setup I ended up missing kind of the timing I needed to have to get an actual garden but mm-hmm. I was okay with that because now when I come back I have a couple years experience of gardening I know what didn't work what did work when I hope next season when that comes around, around it's gonna get to be build- on a bigger scale that. I'm so it's, it's always easier right, to scale with yeah. versus, versus, versus you start, start at the top. Like you said, you get discouraged and then you don't even want to do it
2: anymore. Right. Yeah.
0: A, a, lot, a lot of preppers uh, run into that, that. I think prior to the pandemic and, and everything that's happened, I think a lot of preppers, uh, you always have that in the back of your head about why am I doing this? And if you have failures mm-hmm. along the way, that why a little bit harder. I think everybody's why should be a little easier now having seen all that stuff. But yeah. That so you're yeah. gonna plan on scaling up next year?
2: Um, I, I'd like to. Um, we have space. I think. To, well, we have a lot of space, but um, we're, we're in an HOA, so we really, really can't go too crazy with it. But I, I'd like to add five more of these uh, two by eight foot raised garden beds. Yeah, that's probably about as, as big as we're gonna go where we live. Um, and then maybe in the future, you know, we can move or whatnot. But um, would definitely like to scale that up. Um I'm also uh just just because, I know I mean, we, we could probably go bigger than just the the raised beds if we really wanted to I don't think anyone would care but I don't know we, we're not necessarily planning on being here forever we might but we're probably going to move at some point so I don't I don't want to you know destroy our property value by making right. it you know a prepper's <laughs> a dream but your hurt. average home buyer's nightmare
0: yeah,
2: uh,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. But, um, so since we're not going to go all out on gardening quite yet, like we, since we live in this quasi rural area, something else that we're doing. Oh, I kind of, I think you kind of broke up there for a second. Um, but so yeah, I was saying, okay. Oh, you there? Yeah. Um, so since we're not, since we don't have a very big garden um, and we're in a quasi rural area, um, we're actually, this summer we've been going around just kind of trying to get familiar with all the farmers in our area. We have a lot of small farms and homesteads near us. Um, so i have been kind of going around just trying to figure out, you know, where could we get foods locally? And also just trying to make sure that we're a familiar face with these people. So that something does happen where we can't get our food, you know, from a grocery store, if we need to go to these farmers, you know, we'll at least be a familiar face and, you know, we can still do business with them if, if things kind of go more downhill. Um, so I've been doing that.
0: That's such a smart idea. I've been talking about how your network they say is your net worth, right? So having a good right. network like that is, I mean, is, that's invaluable. That's almost even better than just anything you could do maybe on your own in your property is having a good network of people, especially if they're doing it on a, homestead farming scale like that
2: yeah yeah
0: now that yeah, they uh how has that experience been I know it could be a little intimidating to people have they been pretty open to meeting people or
2: um well we've only gone to a couple so far we were hoping to have done a lot more by now but we actually found out that there's a, a homestead like less than a mile from our house we met these people on on Facebook and we went over there and Um, I mean, if there weren't these trees in the way, we could probably see our house from where they live and, um, they're really cool people. They had a little, they taught us how to make jam too. So they showed us their, their, uh, their little homestead with all the stuff they're growing, gave us a little tour and then sat us down and brought some of their raspberries over and showed us how to make jam. I never made jam before. Um, so that was, that was really cool, uh, experience and it's a great, you know, relationship to start building because they're so close. And it'd be great to be able to, you know, have that relationship if if things go go bad. Um and also I think I think sometime in September they're gonna do a, a little class on how to process chickens. You know, we don't have any chickens, but I've always wanted to know how to do those types of things, you know, processing small game and big game and whatnot. I've never really gotten into that, but I feel like it's a, a good skill that I I'd like to develop and they're gonna do a little class on it at some point. So that should be pretty cool.
0: Something
1: I that's
0: awesome man that's like that's stuff that i always encourage people to do and that i try to like remind myself to do because it's it's easy to think that hey i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna hunt i'm gonna get this i'm gonna get that and then if you do kind of like a self-assessment you're like well i've never even field dressed anything yeah maybe i should learn how to do that first well everything's okay before you know i'm gonna be mr hunter during the apocalypse and And it's just not going to work out how you think unless you have these skills developed ahead of time.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's the idea.
0: So that yeah, that's very cool. One of the um, that kind of brings me to something, a takeaway I got from just your your videos in general is especially the one where you did the the respirator is that no matter how bad things we're going to get, we can innovate our way out of stuff. We're pretty yeah. resilient people if we want to. And I think a lot of this is going to fall back on people networking with each other and figuring out each other's skills and, and bringing each other up to, you know, you don't know how to make jam. Now they taught you how to make jam. Now you yeah. need somebody to go help them do that. They know that they can recruit you and they might just have to pay you in jam. You know, right. it's it's, it's it's going to be people coming back together on more of a community grassroots level to work together to get through maybe harsher times that we're going to see, um, in this country, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It's just, it's funny cause I I've been thinking about that a lot lately. How just, you know, networking with people is such a big part of it, but I mean, I'm, I'm a hardcore introvert. Like I just, I stay to myself. I don't, you know, I don't really venture out that much, but that, that's a very, part, very important part of preparedness is networking with people. So it's kind of a hard reality for someone like me. It's like, crap, okay, like, I'm an introvert, but I need to go out and meet people. You know? like, it's part of survival, actually, you know, if things really really got bad enough. So it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's, it's true. It's, yeah, it, you know, is, it
0: is. It is a part of survival. And I think that's part of what our modern life gets, away, get, gets us away from yeah. is the, the tribe.
2: You know there's like mm-hmm. the group
0: survival it really does take a lot of people and i i um i empathize with you and being a being an introvert i'm not i'm pretty extroverted but i'm also like very more towards like i want to be extroverted with certain people yeah <laughs> I, have, I have a very hard time um if i haven't known you for a while or anything like that like even wanting to network with you i kind of feel like i already know no and so right. One of the things I've been trying to work on is is talking to more people, having meaningful conversations, going out and doing things with people who I don't normally do stuff with, just to build on that sense of community mm. and you know i tip of that yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's not easy. It's been it's been a little weird, but it's something I think it's important. Need to need to do it. So.
0: Yeah, it's gonna Um, be a whole lot socially awkward. Whole lot more socially awkward if we're all starving and skinny versus times are relatively good now, (laughs) and we can get to know each other. Yeah. We don't have to worry about anyone being a. Yeah. But anyways, well, man, I think it was uh, I think it was awesome uh, to have you on. I really appreciate you making the time. Uh, where where can people find you? And, and you're definitely going to be going more towards Instagram.
2: Yeah, Instagram's probably best. That's definitely where I'm most active. I I, I will probably keep my YouTube active, but um, maybe a little bit here and there. But definitely Instagram at sixty second prepper
0: would be best awesome awesome well 60 second prepper thank you for coming on i really appreciate it um i encourage you to do the youtube man that was such good content that high value content um,
2: oh thank you go- yeah goes
0: goes a long way even if you're putting it out like in just you know you don't have this pressure to put a bunch of con- even if you're just doing it a little bit of a time quality video so um, you're following on instagram you know show some love check it out on youtube too but i appreciate i look forward and Uh, getting uh, some updates on where you're with the solar if you end up having to use it and uh, obviously just us communicating with each other a little bit more on Instagram and getting to know each other
2: yeah absolutely thank you this is this has been awesome
0: cool thank you enjoy it
2: all right bye